Welcome to the latest episode of the Quietcast. My name is Maureen Antunes, Editor-in-Chief of Quiet Earth. Tim Hunter has been working in film since the early 80s. His career started with a couple of feature films, including River's Edge, which features what is perhaps my favorite Keanu Reeves performance of all time. At the time that he started with film, he also made a jump into television, and for the majority of his career, he's been working almost exclusively in TV, and now at the age of 70, he still works on three or four shows per year, which is really impressive. Uh, Mr. Hunter recently made the jump back into feature films. He directed Looking Glass, starring the ever-great Nicolas Cage, and I had a chance to talk to him a little bit about uh, the return to feature films, uh, what his long career has taught him about working in television and movies and what he has as far as um, suggestions for new up-and-coming directors who are looking to break into the industry. Uh, Here is my chat with uh, director Tim Hunter. Looking Glass is now available on VOD and on demand. So I want to start by congratulating you on the movie. It's quite a fun watch. Oh good. Um, I hope it would be fun. <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious about how you came to the project because I, I sort of looked at your background and I have to start by saying River's Edge has got to be one of my favorite Keanu Reeves movies of all time. It's amazing. Oh, so thank you. That's always a bonus. Thank you, my little claim to fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have more than one. But I'm kind of curious, you know, you've been working in TV for quite a while now. So what was it about this particular project that appealed to you? Well, the, the producer brought me the, the script with, uh, with Nicolas Cage already attached, and uh, as you saw from my uh, my uh, you know resume, I haven't done a feature in a while, so uh, I was excited to do a feature, and especially excited to do a feature uh, with Nicolas Cage in, a, in the neo noir genre that uh, I I really like. So uh, it just. Uh, it kind of fell into my lap, and I couldn't have been happier to uh, to take it on. What what sort of what are the either the the difficulties or the ease with which you tra- you can move between TV and film? Is there a big sort of learning curve when you go back into film? No, I, I think that the learning curve is in doing uh, television because you're on such a uh, you're on such a tight schedule. Uh, usually having to shoot so many pages a day, uh, you know, on a TV show you can literally be shooting seven, eight, nine pages of a script a day, whereas on a feature, even if it's a small feature like this with a 20-day schedule, you know, you're shooting four or five pages a day. So uh, the, the learning curve is just uh, is more in, uh, in TV to be able to shoot that amount of of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a script, you know, some, some decent-sized number of scenes even in a given day, and, and still prioritize uh, uh, what you need to, you know, to do it in an elegant way or a stylish way or make it good or capture the essence of a scene so that in going back to features, um, there's not that much to learn, but you have more time to rehearse, to... Uh, to uh, you know, to map out more difficult shots, to uh, you know, to to ex- ex- explore a scene uh, a little further, and that, of course, is the luxury of uh, even small features compared to television. So, would you say that TV is really a good preparation for at least today's market, where you get the opportunity to make a lot, uh, like the opportunity to make these smaller films, is more available? Yeah, 
I, I certainly would. I think TV is uh, the, the director, John Dahl, who's uh, really good. I heard him refer to it once as uh, doing TV as uh, developing floor skills, quote unquote. And, uh, you know, and then to, just to be able to, 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 to work that fast um, with actors and with the crew, that I think is it's, it's very good preparation to do uh, independent features. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I certainly envy people who start out in small features, uh, you know, like that guy, his name Sean Baker, who did the Florida Project, yes, which was such a wonderful film, and before that he shot a film on his iPhone. You know, I don't know that uh, everybody needs to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, to do TV first. But I think if you're if you're following uh, the kind of trajectory that I've that I've followed, uh, doing TV is a really good training ground um, for uh, for being able to prioritize and move quickly on an independent feature. Um, I love the look of the film, uh, and particularly the the scenes that. Uh, were most visually striking were the scenes in room 10 where sort of like the gritty uh, action happens. And I'm kind of curious about um, the composition of those shots and um, how you sort of, what what you had in mind or if you had any inspiration in mind when you were talking to your production team and your lighting crew and your DP about how to capture the, that scene. Because I think the thing that really surprised me about those scenes is that the film is really kind of, it's partly about a voyeur, but like I never expected to feel kind of that icky watching the scenes from the perspective of uh, Nicolas Cage's character. But there's like a real intimacy to those moments and it really feels like you shouldn't be there. And I, I, I'm wondering how, uh, you, how, how you came up with those scenes. Well, that's good considering that there's not much actual nudity in those scenes. You know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to find a dramatic intensity for them without there being a whole lot of uh, gratuitous... Uh, Nudity, and we worked out dramatic situations for both those scenes with the uh, with the actresses. They had a backstory, uh, you know, on each of them, a kind of an emotional uh, context. And the second scene interested me, the one that starts out and it looks like a you know just a, a, a kind of a little bondage uh, mm -hmm. uh, playlet. Uh, and then and then it, 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 it turns out uh, there's a twist on it at the end. You know, it turns out to uh, to be a, a whole different kind of a performance. And, um, you know, when you, because he's looking through the, the mirror, um, I wanted to keep as much of it as possible. <clears throat> I tried to keep uh, as much of it as possible from his point of view. Um, but we, we did cut into the scenes, of course, and go into close-ups selectively, but, uh, but, constantly trying to uh, maintain uh, his point of view. And in terms of the overall uh, look of the thing, you know, I think that we were very influenced. I was certainly influenced by uh, a certain amount of modern uh, still photography. Patrick Cady, the cameraman, and I were looking at a lot of photographs by a guy named Todd Hido, H-I-D-O, who takes uh, wonderful exteriors of... Uh, tract houses and, 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 and motels and train stations and washes them in colored light um, so that they have a uh, very real but also surreal 
then in the interiors, you know, we were looking at William Eggleston pictures. Uh, we were looking at the Nan Golden pictures. The opening image of the first uh, sex scene between the two women who are first seen uh, kind of sitting up in an embrace on the bed. And that's based on a Nan Golden uh, image in uh, one of her books. And I just thought that it was a good place to start because it was emotional and it expressed need rather than just... Uh, uh, you know, the sex performance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we looked at a lot of stuff to try to uh, to, uh, to give it a look. Um, I'm curious if there was one scene or a series of scenes in the film that were particularly difficult to capture and how you sort of broke through to get the shot that you needed? Um, it's... It's hard to say, you know, be, be, uh, the, uh, certainly we rehearsed the, uh, the sex scenes to the point where the actresses were, uh, were comfortable, so that uh, took some doing. And then uh, in the scenes where he's going through the tunnel mm -hmm. uh, between the basement and, the, uh, and the, the back of the hotel room, that was a, that was a set that we built. person that wants to direct or a young up-and-coming director what would that one thing that you would tell them be um, I would say just start making films any way you can I would go back to uh, that wonderful film that was shot on the cell phone I think that uh, if a young filmmakers uh, orientation uh, is to get into it through story then find a short story find a book in the public domain find something that can become a, a, a property that somebody might be interested in uh, financing. There's no way to make films but to make films. So I just think that whether it's through writing your way into it or directing your way into it through any means you can, I would just say persevere and never give up. I mean, I'm an old guy and here I am uh, making an unexpected feature. I couldn't be happier. So, uh, you know, you just don't, don't ever give up is the, is the advice that I would give a young filmmaker. And that was my chat with Tim Hunter, the director of Looking Glass, which is now available on VOD and on demand everywhere. Stay tuned to this area for more great interviews to come and be sure to visit us at quietearth.us for a transcript of this conversation and your daily dose of news and reviews.